All right, everybody. Thanks for being on the Advancing Man Project podcast today. I've got Phil. You know, it just occurred to me. I've never attend. I've never said your last name out loud, and I don't want to say it incorrectly. Um, how do you pronounce your last Bo-Hope. name, Phil? Bohope, just Bo-Hope. like I would have pronounced it. So that's good. Um, Phil's an entrepreneur. He's personal development coach, uh, business coach. And um, we have a lot of s- mutual acquaintances, but this is the first time we've actually looked each other in the eye virtually and and spoken back and forth. So really happy that we could uh, take some time out to, to, you know, have a conversation tonight. And the most important thing, the reason that, that I reached out to Phil to, to get him on here is because he's a dad. He has two kids, two girls, he's a girl dad. Um, one is three, you said, and the other one is a little less than a month old as we record yeah. this, right? So congratulations on both counts of that. Um, and we were just talking before I started recording about how becoming a dad is the uh, big personal development journey that none of us really knew we were signing up for if we pay attention. So I'm excited to have you on today, Phil. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about some things. Yeah, let's just let's dive into the heavy stuff straight out of the gate then. Um to it um we both of us being entrepreneurs um both of us being also involved in like health and fitness as well um uh, know that everything operates off basic principles right and so we if if we can define things down to their basic principles we have a much easier time navigating things rather than getting caught up in the methods by which those principles are executed so my first question for you is what is your fundamental principle or principles for being a dad? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think, so it's, it's simple, um, but I'll expand on it. I I think it's just a matter of showing up. I think that like that, that's the most simple way I could say, because being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, working from home, doing all of these things, it's hard to show up if that makes sense emotionally because you have such a blend of your business. You have your three-year-old daughter that needs you in a certain way. You have your newborn that needs you in another way. You need, you have your wife that needs you in another way. And then you have your business, your teams, you have all of the complexities there. And then you also got to show up for yourself. So if you don't just practice showing up, making an intentional effort, all of these different pieces of our lives, you know, especially our relationship and our bond with our kids, it all shatters. So if we don't show up, like I make it a very intentional when, when I'm out of gas, you know, and I'm working all day and the kids need my attention and however they need attention or my wife needs a break or she needs some of my attention over there. I have to remember I'm showing up, but it's still game time. We're still putting in work. We got to put in work for the family. So showing up. So how do you, how do you transition from showing up um, for work with your business and your team and all that to showing up for your kids or showing up for the gym or showing up for your, your spouse? Yeah. I, um, I talked to my therapist about this and mm-hmm. I basically told him I don't show up any different in my business than I do for my family at the gym for myself. There's no, um, persona. There's no mm-hmm. me inside of my business. I'm just maybe more focused on business heavy things, but who I am as an individual, my, my level of caring, my wanting to create space for my team to talk to things, even with my clients, it's all the same. So then when it's with my family, obviously, I just remove the business jargon, but this creating space, being present in the moment, it's all still being practiced. So for me, there's really not a switch. 
I never feel like I have to cool off or transition. I've mm-hmm. learned how to like merge every part of my being. So that way I can just be myself with everybody a hundred percent of the time. And I never have to worry about being any other way. Hmm. That's really cool. I, I take a, the approach and, and I think this actually ties together, even though initially it's going to sound differently. I take the approach of like each one of those different categories is like <clears throat> assuming a different alter ego. Mm-hmm. Like the, the terminology that I like to use is, you know, Spider-Man doesn't show up to take a chemistry test and Peter Parker doesn't show up to fight Green Goblin, right, right. but it's still the same person. So, so we have to transition our intentionality from one thing to the other because you know you it you can't be passing your chemistry test if you're worrying about the goblin taking over the city right so right. i i think that what you just described is actually the same idea it just has to do with with shifting your att- intentionality from one thing to another yeah, um yeah 100% and obviously if we're going to be dads we're going to want to be role models for our kids how would you define a positive role model in your own words for your kids I think it's somebody that um that really doesn't have to say a lot. You know, I um I show through action how I make my children feel, how I respond to them, um, how much patience I give them, how I act, even when I don't know if they're watching. I don't know if my little one's creeping around the corner and she's watching dad. Um, I always exemplify how I would want my children to be, even when I don't know if they're watching. It's something that I learned in the Marine Corps actually. Do the right thing, even if nobody's watching. And if you just do that and practice that, I think that they'll pick up on those habits. They'll pick up on how you treat people. They'll pick up on how you treat yourself. They'll pick up on how you treat mom. They'll pick up on all of these different things. And so being that example is just living it, being it every single day, not just talking about it, not just every once in a while when you have the patience to do it. It's it's a 24-7 thing. You just you you are the example all the time and to never forget that. So it's it's always on my mind. I think that's the thing, right? I think that, uh, uh, like most people, before I had my son, I was inundated with, it's going to be so hard, parenting so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard. And very few people ever outright said, you know, yes, it's hard. There's hard parts to it, but there's this joy, there's this fulfillment that is indescribable. But, but everyone wants to to point out the the hard parts. And so for me, doing what you just said is can be the hard part of parenting, like showing up when you don't feel like it and making that space. Like you described when you don't feel like you have anything left in the tank, like with the, uh, you know, earlier tonight, my son got upset about some stuff that, um, that he needed to work through. And he got, he got very upset. He was flailing around a little bit and he was crying and, and um, it was no big deal or anything like that, but being able to, but, but to him it was right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to be able to hold that space and and to be like uh, i'm I, I know you're having big feelings right now and and i'm okay with that you're safe with me um that can be difficult to do even when your tank is full but when you're feeling depleted and you have to 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 show up and do that anyway the the way that i help myself to stay in the right state when that happens is i remind myself there's hard parts to this. Parenting is hard. This is what the hard part feels like. This is what hard feels like. And um, 
I think being able to do that brings a level of compassion to the game that if I'm just in there trying to control him and to get him to stop crying or whatever, because I don't ever try to get him to stop crying. I, you know, I want him to be able to, to mature and experience those emotions. I don't think you can regulate an emotion if you don't allow yourself to experience it first. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And the the interesting part about because I do hear a lot of um a lot of people um a lot of men talking about how parenthood is hard and it's hard to be a dad it's hard to be this I don't think it I have never thought that way mm-hmm. I've never thought like oh my gosh we're having a baby we're having another baby and things are going to be hard for me it's like oh my gosh we're blessed we get to have children mm-hmm. and yes we're going to have to experience those hard times but just like you said at the beginning of this it's the personal development program we didn't even know we were signing up for but if you go into it thinking like I get to take this little human and give them the best parts of me. Mm-hmm. I get to do this. I get to show them. I get to be there when they're crying, having a tantrum, experiencing things so I can guide them in the right direction. For me, that's like purpose. Like, yeah. what else are we here for if if not to teach our children the best parts of us, the lessons that we've learned? And I've always found that when when I hear that it's hard to be a parent – the only hard part is when you don't take the time to personally develop yourself to be prepared for that. That's why when we're talking about like working out, being active, doing the things, being one with nature, those are all the things that keep your foundation strong so you can show up because anything's hard. Driving's hard. Somebody might cut you off. They might be having a bad day and take it out mm-hmm. on you, you know, and they might almost hit you in the bumper type of deal. So driving can also be hard, but it's how you interpret it. Same thing with, with children. There's so many things that they're going to trigger inside of you, especially with how you were raised. And, you know, they might have a tantrum, which reminds you of how it was when you had a tantrum and how you were treated. And mm-hmm. then you start treating the children that way. But if you catch it in those moments, it's not even hard. It's you learning that there, there's a next level and our children are our, our best teachers and mm-hmm. everything's a gift. Definitely. I, I agree completely with that. And I like to think about the, the quote unquote hard parts. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're six reps into a set of 10 and you got a barbell on your back and you're squatting, that's not the most comfortable place in the world to be. And it, it's hard in that sense, but also it's totally worth it too, to, to mm-hmm. finish that set and to know that you finished that set and, and to take that same sort of observation and, and self-reflection and apply it to fatherhood for me it's it's the same i think but it's just amplified you know exponentially so yeah we're, yeah. we're and, definitely and on, on the same page in a lot of a lot of respects on that yeah the interesting part too is the hard times you know when, when, when we're going through the, the the tantrums the we're depleted we have to create space all of that it's always the weirdest thing that makes it worth it you know like that i think about like my daughter was in the kitchen or something like that and she wanted like bake and cook with mom and um she she brought like some some baking equipment out from the pantry and she was like daddy can, can we please bake today mm-hmm. and it was the smallest thing i was like you're you're number one you're really articulate number two very polite like it just caught me off guard you know and it, it's something that that's tra- like trained every day because that, that's how we treat her that's how we talk to people so she picks up on that but for her to develop because at three you know I think she's very advanced for three, from my opinion. I don't know a lot of three-year-olds, but for my three-year-old, it's right. very advanced for me. I'm so u- not used to it. And the way that she's articulating me is being polite. I'm like, all of that hard time where she's learning about herself, these moments make it worth it because it's like, is this who we're helping mold right now? Yeah. You know, is this the little human that's like 
so polite, so nice, so kind. And that's what makes the hard times worth it. So that's why, you know, if we can find the good in those times and, and what's going to happen, what's going to come of it, we're going to be very proud parents. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you're already well on your way to that. That's, that's so gratifying. And, um, I, um, one of my favorite things that's ever happened, um, for us, it's very similar to that is last year on Christmas, my son just turned five. So he was four at the time four for a couple of months, Christmas morning, he rolls out of bed at about six o'clock and the whole deal was there. Santa had come and all that sort of stuff. And he comes out and my wife and I are like, okay, he's going to wake up at six. He's going to rip through all of his presents. And by 20 after six, what are we going to do for the rest of the morning? Right. And the first thing he does, he comes out, we get the phones ready for video and, and taking photos and all that sort of stuff. He goes to the, to the Christmas tree and underneath the tree, there are other gifts that aren't Santa gifts that, that are gifts that we're giving to each other within the family. He goes and he picks up a gift and he brings it over to me sitting on the couch and he hands it to me. And he says, daddy, I want you to go first. Cause I know you're going to love this. Wow. And I mean, he's got a stack of presents for himself and he's four years old and he hands me this thing and I rip it open and it's a journal. And he's like, it's a new, he called it a planner. He said, it's a new planner for you to write in. Do you love it? And I'm like, this is the best Christmas I've ever had right here. And yeah. so I thanked him for it. And he says, can I open one of mine? I yeah, go do your thing, kid. And he goes and he grabs whatever box it is and rips it open. And we're thinking that that's how it's going to be, right? Because the previous year, it pretty much was when he was uh, three. But he rips the box open and it's, I don't even remember what game it was, but he like looks at the game. And he's like, is it okay if I play with this for a little bit before I open anything else? And I'm just, I'm stunned by that. Just like what, with the articulation. And like you said, with, with your daughter's coming, is it okay if we bake today? Um, it's just, it's, it's so wonderful. And that's the stuff that I think more of us as dads need to be talking about instead of talking about how hard it is and what a grind it is and, and how much we suffer and sacrifice for our kids and, and all of that sort of stuff. Because I think that so many dads miss out on the beauty of it all. Yeah, I 100%. That's a beautiful memory, by the way. Thank you. Um, but it, I totally agree, you know, because what is the purpose of us being fathers if not to burden that, the the hustle, the grind? Like, that's just our duty. That's what we do. We have to provide. And we get to experience those times, those little gifts, mm -hmm. the, those those moments right there. That's where we have the opportunity to be so present. But if we're so caught up again through the lack of personal development to be present in those moments, we really do miss out on life. We miss out on these times uh, that one, we're never going to get back. And it's unfortunate because it does happen so much. Yeah. There, there's so many beautiful memories that could be cultivated that, that aren't. When you are feeling depleted, if you've had like a particularly overwhelming day mm -hmm. of, of things not necessarily going the way you want them to go business-wise, maybe tech issues or employee issues or whatever, and then it's time to go be with your kids and your kids are having an off day too. Um, how do you, how do you recalibrate yourself? How do you, how do you come back to center on that? You yourself? Yeah. So it's something that I actually taught my daughter, which is super funny um, <clears throat> that, that we're just on this as far as like how we are and, and what they pick up on. Um, my daughter, I mean, she, I think she's probably done it once, maybe twice. If she's seen me actually like look, physically stressed out for whatever reason she'll tell me to breathe hmm. and so we'll spend uh just like 30 seconds 45 seconds and we'll just inhale and we'll exhale 
because when she was a, she when she was like one or two and she started having her tantrums, I would teach her how to breathe. So I just hold her and I just say, baby, breathe. And then I'd breathe with her. Mm-hmm. So we do that every time. And so now she she'll do that to me if if she notices that. But for me personally, I, I make it again. It's 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 this is why I 100 percent agree with what you said as far as like this being a personal development program. Every time I'm I'm working, if I'm doing a podcast, if there's tech issues, if there's team issues, if um something weird is happening throughout the day, I make it very intentional to know like when my cool off time is. Meaning if I know that I'm going to spend time with the girls at 6 p.m. Pacific, then I know that around 5.30, if I have, can I, can I curse on this podcast? Say whatever you want. If, if I have shit on my chest, I need to breathe through that in the last 30 minutes because I'm not taking that to my kids. I'm not taking that to the family. That's not their burden to bear. Right. So I, I actually build that as part of my day-to-day operating system to like release all of that. And it's not like 100%. I'm not a saint. But it's as as it's never intense with them. They they never see the this side of me that's like just angry or upset or stressed out completely. It's it might be present. Where maybe if you're having a tantrum, I I'm a little bit shorter with you. I don't mm-hmm. yell at my kids. I don't I don't do any of that stuff. I don't right. pop off on them or anything. So in that last thirty minutes, when I know I'm going to see my girls and my family, I breathe. I just keep breathing, and then I become present again and just understand that all of this shit can wait till tomorrow. Whatever yeah. I'm feeling tomorrow. It'll still be there. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a, a specific breathing protocol or, or, or anything like that that you follow? Cause I've, I've got a lot of, uh, I've played around with a lot of different breath work stuff over, mm-hmm. over the past 30 years or so. So I'm curious if you have a yeah. specific thing that you do. Mine's actually uh sporadic throughout my day. Mm-hmm. So um, in the, uh, it's not all breath work. Um, if anything in the morning I meditate. Um, mm-hmm. So first thing I do literally when I wake up, uh, 4 a.m. in the morning, I, I go to my couch and I start meditation and I meditate. I get myself in state and I do a breathing exercise so I can be present with my body. And then that way I'm very neutral. I have a very solid base. And then I get into prayer. And then after that, I journal. So like that's my morning ritual. If I'm having like a crazy day, I literally will separate myself from the workspace and I'll either be in nature, go outside, breathe the fresh mm-hmm. air, or I'll meditate again to get myself in state. Um, if I'm very, you know, if I'm feeling the emotions a lot, then I'll just breathe. And I just listen to my heartbeat. I just put my hands on my chest and I just slowly start breathing. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale with no rush. There's no time limit to it. It's just, again, controlling uh, the emotions. The breath work itself, though, is crazy. Yeah. So you're just you're you're just coming back to the present moment by doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. It's good stuff. what advice would you give to a dad who wants to start an entrepreneurial journey who has young kids? Yeah. So I guess it depends on how old the kids are. But if they're young, you know, like uh, maybe under three, maybe yeah. under five, uh, be prepared for whatever you signed up for to be an entrepreneur. Be prepared for it to amplify because it's not just your emotions that you're going to have to control with the, the dynamics of running and operating and growing and building and scaling a business. It's going to be your family too, because mm-hmm. as you have anxieties, you have to make sure you don't project that onto the kids. You have to make sure that your spouse doesn't feel that. And then it's projected back onto you, which amplifies the emotions even more. You really have to focus on, and a lot of people will say this is selfish, but I genuinely believe it's the most selfless thing you can do. You have to invest more time and spend time with yourself. You have to. 
You have to spend some time at the gym. You have to get all of that crap out of you. You have to be the best version of you. Every single day, you have to focus on you, forge you, and you can give that to your business. But more importantly, you can bring that back to the family. And you learn how to actually work through a lot of your stuff. So uh, if I could go back, because I, I, was the, I was the entrepreneurial dad that had a baby on the way that was crying under a, a desk without ever telling my wife because I was so stressed out. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I, I, I like bled myself into my business. Like there was me and my business. That's it. I never spent time with myself. I never uh, took walks. I never worked out. I was drinking beers all the time when I was uh, starting up. I was doing all the wrong things. And I thought that I just needed to relieve stress by doing those things. But the reality was it was adding to the stress. So if you're really going to go become this entrepreneur, you have to understand it it requires the best of you. And the best of you is not going to be, you know, you drinking all the time, doing other things or working 24 seven thinking the hustle and the grind is what you need. Um, it's not being short with your family. It's actually learning how to think more critically. What we get paid and what our value is to the marketplace has nothing to do with our level of hustle. Yes, we're going to be able to get to our end result faster, but it's far more the, our ability to think and feel through things so we can guide people, our teams, our clients, ourselves, our family. So you have to make sure that you really spend some time, uh, a lot of time with yourself to understand, just like we talked about earlier, your own thoughts, your own emotions, work through all of that versus being this knotted ball for years and giving the worst of you to your family, your clients, your business, and wondering why things aren't growing. Definitely. Um, How do you yourself um, address and maybe break generational cycles that, that you inherited that you don't necessarily want to pass on? Because we've yeah. all got them. Yeah, 100%. And- so we talked earlier about like discipline, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, when I was a kid, if I was to get <clears throat> disciplined, if I was just, if I was too energetic, I would get disciplined. If I... Um, disciplined or punished? Ooh, that's a great question. That's a great distinction. Um, punished. Because I think the word discipline gets thrown around in place of the word punishment a lot. Yeah. Because yeah, that's it, that's actually really good, yeah. Just like just like the word spanking gets thrown around, and uh, you're hitting, you're mm-hmm. hitting someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's call it what it is, you know. So yeah, so, so punishment, punishment. punishment. So yeah. if you imagine like rock salts and salt, mm-hmm. get on your knees and you just stay on your knees with salt under your knees. It's a it's a very weird feeling. Um, and in Filipino culture, you can also hold your arms up while you have your knees on that salt for hours, literal hours at a time, and you can't drop them. If they drop, you just get spanked back up and you're just there. So it's like this entire mental fuck because mm-hmm. you're just this little kid that was just trying to have fun and play. And now you're on your knees on, on the wood or on the uh, cement and there may or may not be salt that's down there, depending on how severe the punishment uh, mm-hmm. or discipline might be. Um, and then here, and then depending on how severe the punishment will be, there's also the other side where your hands are actually up and you carry weight. And I don't know why this is why I became a machine gunner because my shoulders got really strong over time. But, um, the punishment is, it didn't make sense to me. Right. I I endured because I thought it was normal, but that's one thing that I don't practice with my kids. I, I show patience. I teach, I help them understand, I help them think through and feel through emotion. 
I'm present. I'm patient. Um, that's completely opposite from, you know, my experience. Yeah. Well, for, that's, for, that's for, the for, distinction, for right? If, if the word discipline mm-hmm. comes from the root word disciple, which is to teach and to learn, right? It's, it's to dedicate oneself to, to a transfer of knowledge. Punishment is the, the inflicting of pain upon someone for some transgression that they've done. Right. <clears throat> and so when the word discipline gets thrown around, cause what you just described, like if you were, if you were a grown man signed up to go to the Shaolin temple or something, sure. That makes sense. Right. Because mm-hmm. it is relevant to, to what you're learning there. But you know, I'm trying to imagine doing that to, to my five-year-old and what would, what's the desired outcome there? Right. I mean, we talk about that, that kind of stuff in business all the time. What's your, who's your target or who's your, who's your, your ideal customer? What problem do you solve? And what is the outcome that you provide for them? Like, what is the desired outcome of doing that sort of thing to a kid? So you remember when we were talking earlier about, um, because it's just the the whole personal development thing. It's about what they will trigger in you. If uh-huh. you don't work through your own shit and your, your, your children act in a certain way that reminds you of maybe how you were mm-hmm. and what happened to you. I think that when, when we have these generational curses and it's repeated generation after generation, it's because those individuals haven't taken the time to process emotions and what it actually means for them and how detrimental it was actually for their upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so when it's like, I'm going to punish you the same way I was punished, I don't have time to emotionally deal with how I feel. So I'm going to make you do this other thing so you can suffer. Because mm-hmm. I, I can't deal with my suffering right now. I have no patience. And so I emotionally shut down. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what it is. I believe that the the parent um, or the figure that forces you to do things that are very uncomfortable through punishment is because they cannot emotionally process what's happening inside of them. And so they have an, uh, a cop out. They'll just punish you because it's the mm-hmm. easiest path. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, um, I ran across a, uh, an article in, uh, what's it is in developmental science magazine. And it's, it's the, it was written in, it's published in February, I'm looking at it right now, February of last year. And it's about how hitting children leads to trauma, not to better behavior. Right. And this, this, uh, passage I'm about to read pretty well, uh, sums up what you just said, I think in a different way it says what many people will not admit is that hitting a child can provide an emotional release and a fleeting sense of power for the grown up. An adult may feel frustrated that they've lost control of the child, but when they strike the child, the child stops what they're doing and usually starts crying. The adult feels vindicated by getting the child's attention and their pent-up frustration or anger is released. They believe that it worked and the strategy becomes reinforced because it does. It stops the behavior in the moment, but it creates more problems long-term, right? Um, picking up where I just left off, many parental feelings are masked by anger, fear, alarm, loss, grief, shock, shame, etc., and lashing out momentarily transfers the uncomfortable energy onto the less powerful target of the child. So that's, uh, yes, everything you said, yes. I, yeah, and that's just me weird. analyzing like how I've been you know, brought up, how I've been raised, but what I've also seen in other parents, because when we talked about earlier where it's hard, it's mm-hmm. hard to be a father, it's, it's hard to be a parent, that's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's 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 you're not doing the work so that way you can be the best for your family, you know. And so when we think about that, it's unfortunate because then who, who suffers the children? Yeah. When we weren't strong enough to just work through our shit, and now yeah, we yeah. have a three year old 
or a two-year-old or a five-year-old that has to deal with that mm -hmm. what is they're that trying, they're trying to figure their own shit out and and i'm supposed to be the one guiding them but i don't have mine figured out yet that's it's the, that's the very definition of the blind leading the blind right mm -hmm. um i uh, uh had a conversation with a a, a guy recently um and he was talking about how annoying his kids are. He's got a, I think a six and a four-year-old or something like that. And he said, they're just annoying. And, and the situation wasn't one that I felt um, justified or welcome to, to redirect that. He was just complaining. Right. And, you know, sometimes people just want to complain. And my job in a case like that is, to let him do that and not get any of it on me. Right. But he was talking about how annoying his kids. And in the space of two minutes, he said that they were annoying probably six or seven times. And all I could think was your kids aren't annoying. You are annoyed. And there's a difference, right? It's not your kids. It's that you don't know what to do with the, the stuff that they're stirring up inside of you. And so you project it onto them. It's exactly the same thing that you're saying. So, um, it's good. It's good to hear somebody else say that. <laughs> good stuff. Um, how do you, uh, you, you may not have gotten to this yet. I, I, I saw one of your, um, um, reels, one of your short videos recently where your daughter was in your workout area and she was lifting things, you know, various handles and stuff like that. And just mimicking what you were doing. Um, have you gotten to the point yet with her? Cause I know she's only three where you've started to, or she started to be introduced to the entrepreneurial side of things. Oh yeah. She, she was at that at two years old. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so she has this like little uh, phone, this little pink phone. Um, so before I was uh, uh, a coach, I was a closer. So I'd always be on the phone and uh, she would, she, she's like, daddy, am I a closer? When she was starting to first articulate words and she would pick up that pink phone and she would hold it and then she'd pretend to talk to me all the time. And so that was the first, I was like, I was like, why did you pick up the phone out of all the things? And I'm like, is she watching? Like, that's when I knew that she's watching when I don't know she's watching. Cause I can't remember a time where I've been on like sales calls and she's been in the room because I usually am right. in private in my office. So there, there has to be moments that happen where that was an accumulation of her knowing that daddy works with phones. Mm -hmm. And so she has picked up on those tendencies, but at the same time, the, the cutest thing that's been happening recently is every time I'm going to go to work, because, you know, obviously I work from home, um, she's upstairs normally. My office is like tucked in downstairs in this corner, um, and um, she'll she'll ask me, Daddy, are, are you going to work? And I'm like, yeah, baby, I'm going to work. And she's like, are you going to go help people? I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. And then every time I take a trip, mm -hmm. you know, when, when, when I say, hey, I'm going to take a flight – she automatically knows that that flight means I'm going to go out there and help people. So she always tells mom, she always asks me, daddy, are you leaving? So you can go help people. I'm like, yeah, baby, that's, that's the best way to think about it. Cause that's what I told her I do. I, I spend every single day looking for different ways to help people through yeah. personal development, through business, all of that. So I, I, my hope is that the way that she's looking at what, what I do and the sacrifice that I make, cause I do spend time away, um, is, I'm there to, to help people. And she wants to always come to the office with me. She actually shows up to my meetings every day now. So in my coaching calls, in my meetings, she's always here. She's playing. Um, she's doing her thing. And she's picking up not only the good habits, she's actually up pretty early with me to do those calls. Um, she's learning what 
relationships, what business, what sales mm -hmm. it's, it's all about, which is to, to help people. So my hope is she picks up on it um, at that extent. That's, that's fantastic. That's absolutely amazing. Sounds like you're raising a little super kid there. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, She's awesome. And, and the fact that she is talking about helping people and talking about you helping people. I love that so much. Um, something that we did or that I, I did with my son from the very beginning before he was even verbal, you know, when he's just weeks old, um, I would tell him things that I wanted him to, to pick up on. Right. And fast forward that to when he was probably about three, maybe three and a half. We were at a playground. He was on top of a slide. He's getting ready to come down and he got up there and he realized it was, it was a bigger deal than he thought it was on the way up. And, um, I never, or almost never used the word scared or afraid. I, I try to frame things like that in terms of what's going on in his body. And, and, and now he's, he's aware that like afraid and, um, that I don't know, upset are two different things because of that. But like at the time it was all just sort of what's pleasant, what's unpleasant. And, and we would always go back to what is your body feeling right now? And when he would identify what his body was feeling, then we would label the emotion that goes along with it so that he's able to, to make that distinction so that he doesn't, you know, turn into the person who fear and sadness and anger all shows up and gets expressed the same way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's at the top of this slide and he says, daddy, I'm feeling nervous. And I said, well, that's okay to feel nervous, buddy. I mean, you're, you're pretty high up there. This is, this is, this is a, you know, pretty big deal that you got going there. And he looks real thoughtful. And then all of a sudden his eyes get wide and he says, is it okay if I say my I am's? And I'm like, absolutely, buddy. And I just kind of sat back and let him do it. And he, he's holding on to it. He says, he says, I am strong. I'm smart. I am kind. I am brave and I can help people. And then he zips down the slide and just high fives me and has this, this great moment. And I'm like, that's what it's about. Right. I mean, that's, for him to come to the, the point of understanding that all of those things applied to that situation was us together going through the unpleasant or the quote unquote hard part for him to mm -hmm. then have that tool at that age. So um, he he's very vocal about that stuff. Now, if, if something, if he's scared about something, he'll say, I'm feeling nervous. And I'll say, yeah. what does that feel like? And he will tell me, and he's, he's getting to where he can make the distinctions between like nervous and excited for for a while it was we're going to drop you off at preschool because he just started doing that and he goes a few days a week now and he's like i'm nervous about going i'm like well are you nervous because it's scary or are you excited because you're going to go see your friends and he'll think about it and and usually it's one or the other but sometimes he'll be like it's it's both and i'm like well you can feel two things at one time and he's like you know it blows his mind that he can do that so just that's having awesome. those having those conversations that's that's what's up with it right Hundred percent, hundred percent, and the fact that he like pulled courage out of, out of that experience, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful. It truly thing. is. And again, it's like, is it hard or is it worth it? Is what yeah. we do really hard or is it worth it? Can Can you see that 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 one moment is yeah. worth the the days, the weeks, the months of the hard times? Yeah, you know, it's like it's a, it always puts a smile on my face. That's why, like, you're telling me that story. I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome for him. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um how do you, how do you balance the, um, the, 
digital aspect of life that we live in now because it's here and it's it's going to be there you know screen times and brain development all i've read a bunch of stuff about that and we set specific guidelines with that but how do you de- balance the digital world versus the physical world for your kids um knowing that understanding how to operate in a digital fashion is a skill that they're going to have to develop but they also mm-hmm. need to get out in nature and 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 do the things. How do you how do you address that um, with with your girls? Yeah, yeah. So it's always been a balance from the get go. Because I mean, it, working from home and <clears throat> having to work on my phone, work on a computer, everything is digital. You know, working remotely. So it, it's something that she'll pick up on. Um, so she has this iPad. So she actually knows how to use an iPad through and through at this point. However. We balance it with with time outside. We balance that with quality time, with the baking, with spending time together. If we just want to snuggle, um, she has tons of books because uh, in my office, I have tons of books like just everywhere. And so she actually has uh, almost as big of a library as me, I would say, <laughs> uh, as far as books. So whenever you know there, there's downtime or anything like that, sometimes she'll pick up like a stack of books and she'll just come up to me and say, Daddy, can can we read books? Nice. And again, in those moments, it's it's put down whatever the hell's happening. And of course, yeah. let's go snuggle up over there and let's start reading. And then she's like into this, um, this like, um, um, the haunted mansion. She's been on that for a while. Mm. Um, it's for like this Disneyland thing. And so she'll, I, I started reading, her, uh, that for her and now she's reading it to me. And, you know, like, so those are the things that we balance where it's like, yeah, she knows how to maneuver through an iPad very well, probably better than me. But we also know to balance that with like, experience uh, present times things that we're supposed to do when when we eat dinner like my wife was just eating dinner with her um because I, I was at the office and they're eating dinner together it's that quality time you know it's, it's just bringing that to the table so that, that way they understand there, there is a balance you don't have to just be living in the virtual world all the time and not taking it away from them as a consequence i think it's like teaching them that there is an art form there's a balance to everything Say more about that, about not taking the iPad away as a consequence. Yeah, because I think, you know, that's that's a pretty kind of, revolutionary idea. And I, I think I know where you're headed with this, but but yeah, because like if if you take it away as a punishment to try to teach, it kind of takes away the teaching moment. Mm-hmm. If you help your kids understand to to want to desire to be open to a different way of living, they're a lot more receptive to it. They're actually going to like live it not just be forced to do it because if they're forced to do it, the, the, in the back of their mind, I want that iPad. Now mm-hmm. I want to do the thing that you're taking away from me now. But if it's, Hey, do you want to go bake together and spend, do you want to help me bake? Hey, do you, do you want to read books together? Do you want to read that funny book? Do you want to read the scary book? Do you want, what do you want? Teaching them to understand themselves at, at that level where it's like, yeah, I don't want the iPad right now. I want to spend right. time with dad. I want to spend time with mom. Uh, my daughter actually, um, she ran into the bathroom as I was getting ready uh, for work this morning. And um, she uh, literally, um, she started asking me, she goes, Daddy, can I just spend time with you, me, and mommy? Just spend time. And I was like, oh, you, you just want to hang out with us? Or like, what, what do you want to do? Yeah, I just want to spend time with you guys. And like, I was just like, I don't know what's happening here. You just right. want to spend quality time, right? you know, and, and that's the whole purpose of it. It's if you teach them to to be okay with wanting, yes, the iPad, but balancing to, I want just present time, teaching them the quality of that, how it feels to be in that environment. If they want it, it's theirs. If it's forced onto them, it's not theirs. It's not their idea. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's like it didn't even happen. 
Yeah, that's one of the the sweetest sounds that that I've ever heard in my life was when my son says, "Daddy, you want to play with me?" And I'm like, "Yes, yeah. I do. Yes, <laughs> I do." In fact, and and yeah. and what do you want to play? Yeah. Um, and then he'll come up with something, right? Yeah. He's at he's at the stage now to where he's he just makes up games mm-hmm. that we'll do, and and he'll tell me what it's going to be, and and you know how developmentally a kid will get stuck in a loop of doing something. Right. And so if you, if you're the person who's easily annoyed, that's annoying. If you're the person who understands this is brain development and there are neurons and synapses that are myelinating around this. And this is, this is a healthy, wonderful, beautiful thing. And I can be there and connect with them as they're doing it. Then, you know, it's, it's awesome. But when he, when he, he makes up some, some of the coolest games that he just, pulls out of the air and and if he doesn't have a word for it he'll make up a word and say this is called toony toot toot or whatever you know and well how do you play it will you do this and this and this and um and you just go with it it's it's exactly the, the answer is yes you know <laughs> that's the thing yeah the answer is yes 100%. one thing i always remind myself too i think this this was actually back to one of your previous questions about like intentionality and like how do you make sure there, there, I always remind myself, like, we're, we're never going to get these years back. We're never going to get this time back. So when can daddy, can we play for some reason? I've bred it into my mind to, to always like recall. You're not going to get this. You're not going to get her to say that again for long. Right. You're not going to get that time for long. Say mm-hmm. yes now. And immediately, like, I'm just like, yes, yes. Whatever it is. I just like throw my phone, throw anything. You know, yes. I'm just like, yes, of course I do. What do you want to do? And we're, we're, she has this whole kitchen. We bake. And we cook and she has her little slimes and she creates all this, these concoctions with it. But to be a part of that, and sometimes they just want our company. They just want yeah. to spend time with, with, with their best friends in the whole world. And that's the biggest thing. Well, and it's that, it's, that's a variation on the, the, the meme that we see that says, one day you're going to pick your child up and set them down and you will never pick them up again. Right? Yeah. One and one day they're and and th- this one hit me too. It's like there was a time when you were a kid that you went out and you played with your friends that were your best friends in the world, and then you came back inside, and then it never happened again. You never played with those people again, yeah. and and so understanding that that each moment is is a gift. Um, definitely, that's that's how to one of the ways that I keep out of the of getting caught up in either frustrations or the annoyances or the, the being a father is hard stuff the same way. Right. Um, uh, I've, I want to ask you this and then I want to do like rapid fire, um, after this. Okay. Um, but the, the last question I want to ask you here, uh, this more long form is what is your vision for the legacy that you want to leave for your kids? Yeah. So I've been on this whole, um, I don't know what it was, but after I built my first seven figure company, I did it again. And then on this third one that is going to be a seven figure company in its first year, it's, it's been like this whole wanting to change the trajectory of my bloodline. So I come from the Philippines, first family here, uh, breaking general. I don't know how this became my mission. Um, it just came about, you know, when, when I first started in business, uh, during the global shutdown, that was to provide diapers and, and a roof. Right. I had no intention of saying the things that I say today, which is changing the trajectory of my bloodline. It's me being the tip of the spear now. It's me being able to create true wealth, breaking those curses as well by ex- being the example for my family, for everybody. 
And when we think about, you know, what I pass along to my children and what I want to create for them, I'm creating it all. In my mind, there's no limits to me right now. I'm, I literally see myself as that person that's going to change everything. That's already changing everything. I mean, I, I don't say this at all to brag. We come from literal dirt villages. My dad was telling me how um, literally where we're from, if you grab, um, you know, like a, a bottle cap and you find some string, that's your fishing line and hook. Hmm. It's a string with this. And you catch fish with something at, at the very end of it. There's You don't have fishing rods. You, you have literally nothing to work with. You got whatever's on the ground. You have bridges uh, made of bamboo bark that basically every 15 to 30 days will go to shit. And now you have to redo this, this bridge. And everybody's walking 30 miles in flip-flops or with their bare fucking feet. So that's where mm -hmm. we come from. I'm the first person. My, my dad made six figures. I made seven. My Lamborghini's coming next week. Awesome. I went from that, those beginnings to here. And I'm not a Lamborghini guy, but I want to show proof to the world what's possible. If we say we're going to do something, especially us men out there, if we say we're going to do something, we better damn do it because we got little ones watching. And those are the lessons that we don't have to speak, but we show. And so when we think about what we're creating for them and, and the next generation, it's by being the best examples that we can be in the best ways we know how and finding all of our flaws, working on them and showing them that, okay, maybe daddy was a little bit out of gas today, but I'm aware of that. I know that you're seeing the most depleted version of me. So I'm not going to put work in front of you. I'm not going to give you th those breadcrumbs. I'm going to give you all of me. Mm -hmm. And then showing that, giving more time, spending more time, all of it. And so when we showcase all of that, and we also have plans to give back to where we come from, to give back to our family, to create all of the pillars in different areas of life, not just financially. The way that I'm going to pass this wealth on is through education, teaching, developing, helping them understand that money is not important whatsoever. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. when, when you use money as a tool to amplify things, to help more people, I've given more opportunity to more people than I ever thought I'd be able to. I'm changing people's lives in my own family, with my clients, with my team, showing her that this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to live life is to give. That's what purpose is, is to serve other people, not yourself. All of these little things that, that you get along the way, the two comma club awards, the Lamborghinis, the houses, the whatever. Right. It's just to show proof of how you can continue to level up your life. But what are you doing with, with your life? What are you doing with those moments? How are you impacting people? Daddy, are you going to go help people? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that the something that's analogous to what you just said is like, it's great to have big muscles, but are you strong? Right. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. And th did you know that there's actually a term for, for what you described that you aspire to be it's called a transitional character it's a person who within the space of a single generation so completely alters the trajectory of a family tree that hmm. that you know 20 generations down they can look back and say okay it was phil it was it before phil it was bamboo bridges and and, and fishing poles made out of bottle caps after phil it's what we have now you know it's called a transitional character, character. yeah yeah, I, it's interesting I, because I, I literally was like, I'm going to be that guy. Yeah, I was telling my wife this the other day. I'm going to be the guy that that our mm -hmm. grandchildren, our great grandchildren are going to be talking about that. 
who is this? And that's what I teach my clients. Who are you going to be to those people? Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about just my daughters right now. I'm thinking about their children, their children's yes. children. I'm thinking about generations to come. Who am I going to be to those people? How am I going to inspire them too? Mm-hmm. It's like this whole thing. So I appreciate that because I, I didn't yes. know that was actually a term. Yeah, that's that's an, an, that's a term I ran across on you know on the internet, and so it must be true because it's on the internet. But I uh, when I was putting everything together for what I do within the Advancing Man Project, I mean that sums it up really really well. And um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get up from this seat on the table and go around to another seat on the table and re-describe back what you just said, and you tell me if this rings true for you because this is. This is actually a, a a value of mine, a belief of mine that I feel like when I say it, you're going to be like, yes, but I could be wrong too. So if, if, if I'm off on this, then, then please call me out on it. Um, yeah. The vision of the legacy that I want to leave for my son doesn't matter. I don't care. I do not care what legacy I leave for him. The one thing that I want to do is leave him with the ability and the tools that he needs to build his own legacy moving forward. Mm-hmm. Is it does does that does that ring true for you? One hundred percent. Because if we just give them everything mm-hmm. that we've built, if they don't earn it and they don't become the people, then it's gone. After yeah, and them. and there's the there's the trite overused um, expression about uh, how does it go. Hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good uh, times create weak men, weak men create. Yeah. I think that there's an element of truth to that, but I don't think that's like a universal law. I think that if we approach what we're doing from the standpoint of like, my legacy is mine. The biggest part of my legacy that I can possibly aspire to is teaching my son to create his own legacy. And then him teach his children to create theirs. I think that breaks that cycle of weak men create good time or hard times or however the whole, however the whole thing 100%. goes. Well, yeah. While, while that whole thing is, is a hundred percent true, it doesn't have to go through that. It doesn't have to arrive there. You right. Know, just like you say, if you transfer all of your knowledge and wisdom and experience to them and they learn that yeah. they, they can do that on their own and deliver that, then absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, there's, there's truth to it, but we don't have to, to, assume the role of any of those men that we don't want to we can always be the strong man yep 100 100 percent. cool man i'm loving this conversation i really i'm really really grateful that you you joined me tonight all right let's do some rapid fire stuff and then um, we'll go from there does that sound good sounds good all right uh just i'm gonna throw the question at you one or two sentence answer we'll move on to the next one right um what is a useless talent that you feel boho have that we all have no, that you have a useless talent that Phil has. A useless talent. Um, fuck. Um, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, I can do burpees. I have no idea. Like I, there, I, I don't label things as like even my talents because I draw on stick figures. I my high ticket clients they see stick figure drawings from me. Right. I'm the most basic person you could possibly have. So I have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> Okay. That's fine. Um, I had one guy say <laughs> juggling the other day. So, so that's fun. Um, what's the yeah, most valuable, everything. yeah. What's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received as a father? Um, most valuable piece of advice. That's hard, bro. I haven't had a lot of advice. Um, nobody's really taught me a lot. I just learned from the lessons of how I didn't like to be raised. Um, I, there's nobody that counsels me. I'll just put yeah. it that way. Well, 
I know it's rapid fire and I, and, and I said that, but bad advice can sometimes be valuable advice. If you're like, okay, I see what you're doing. I see your results and fuck you. I'm doing the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So all the fucking bad men, weak men out there, that things that parenthood is hard. You teach me all the time how I don't want to be. Fair enough. Good one. Good one. Um, what is a personal belief that you want to pass on to your kids? Life is about helping people. And the only way you can help people is to be the best version of you. So find yourself. Um, something funny or heartwarming as a dad moment that you've experienced. I mean, you said the thing earlier about uh, baking. So throw something else at me. Do you, do you have one for the new baby or is it just... It's just the newborn cycle oh, so far. Well, the the second one, actually, um, I made a weird face the other day and she smiled and I was like, oh my gosh, I think she, I think she's responding to me. And mind you, she was like two weeks old at the time. So I made the face again and then she smiled again. So I felt, we felt the bond, the connection again, because we liked, we did skin to skin from, from that moment. But mm -hmm. it's just that, that moment I was like, there's something here. I know you can't tell me yet, but I, I feel like yeah. we're connected already. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite holiday. Christmas. Um, favorite family meal? Dinner. We all get to spend time together there. No, I mean like specifically what's on the on the plate. Oh, um Filipino food, longanisa. Well, when I could eat it, I'm on like strict macros right now. Sure. But yeah, longanisa, rice, uh Filipino dishes. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Probably the barbecue chicken that I'm making right now. Oh, yummy. Um, what is one food that you think is utterly disgusting that you won't eat? Um, cow tongue. Cow tongue. I'm with you yeah. on that one. I would normally say onions, but cow tongue may be yeah, up. I was going to say onions, but I started liking onions recently. So yeah. <laughs> um, and um, are you a Van Halen fan? I know some some songs, but no. So, so no, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I, that's the difference in our ages, right there, for sure. Um, <laughs> and then I guess the last one is: what is a cherished family tradition that you want to pass on? Either one that you've inherited, or one that you've created. Making birthdays matter to celebrate life. Definitely, definitely. Birthdays are a big deal in our house. We actually, a, a thing that we've done, and that, that's the end of the, the rapid fire round, but um, you saying that made me it made me think. We have introduced to our son the celebration of the half birthday. Mm -hmm. And 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 we make a big, not as big a deal as the birthday, but like it's the half birthday, right? So um, we make a big deal out of that. All right, anything else that uh, that you want to throw out to the people that might be listening to us? Like where can they, where can they find you? like uh you can find me on instagram at phil bohol um i would just start there i'm very uh very direct talk a lot about stuff so especially if you're a man i probably may trigger you but in the best ways to help develop you too with some of the lessons that i've learned throughout time um yeah be stronger for the family they need us definitely all right phil i appreciate it and um i'm gonna stop recording now